That's fun yeah. stuff. Um, it was a good beer. Yeah. A little sweet, a little citrusy, mm. a, little, uh, a little exotic, like, uh, oh. I wouldn't say passion fruity, but something in oh. the family. Mm. <clears throat> An exotic fruit. Yeah. Roman would probably know he is nothing if not an, an exotic spice lord himself. An erotic. Ooh. Roman P. Pink Statler. t-shirt Statler. It's about love. Is that pink? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know mm. if you know me, but I am not good at that game. Most of Jeff's got to watch a horse race. True. What? What's this about a horse race? Um, it's like a fic- fictitious, it's a, a, a fake horse race, and each horse is assigned to one of the 14 players in my fantasy football league. And there's going to be a race, and that determines the draft order that we'll be drafting all within. And it's super fun. It's super cool. But why are they combining horse racing with football? Should, Jules, shouldn't it be like, me? shouldn't it be like quarterbacks running down the field against each other? Actually, it is players. It was horses last year. It's players now. Oh, okay. That makes much more sense. I approve. Horses and football shouldn't make. <laughs> Unless they also have hockey sticks and are hitting each other with it. Yeah. Good call. That'd work. That was a, that was a close one, Roman. You almost, <laughs> you almost really missed out on a good game. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. I'm thinking. God, I love you guys. I returned a couple of them because I knew we were running low. I returned Joker Puzzle Box. Okay. And I returned Geiger. And there was one other that I brought. You guys. <laughs> Us at the podcast? Yeah, the podcasters. The podcast guys. Oh, wow. Andrew's going to be <laughs> editing the podcast. Just remember that, Roman, when you want to say some of your usual filth. <laughs> <laughs> what do I have to talk about? Hmm. Oh, horses. Anytime <laughs> we talk about horses, you're 30 seconds away from talking about horse cocks. And Andrew oh, doesn't God. even know that. There it is. It's already happening. You're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> you know that guy in Everett years ago? That barn with the horse? That was me. <laughs> I don't know about all of that stuff. Oh God! Guy got arrested for having sex with a horse. It was a whole farm of people having sex with horses for money. Oh, like they were German tourists. Yeah, yeah, it was some kind. Yeah. Although I think in that particular case, he wasn't having sex with the horse per se. I think the horse was having sex with him. Oh, really? That's a big thing to fit inside a little person. That's why he died. Yeah, he he died. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Perforated. Yeah, was the term. <clears throat> the wow. human anus ain't made for taking horse cock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, was that one of those things I probably should say? That <laughs> is exactly, exactly what we were talking about. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's put this all live. <clears throat> Unlike that guy. Oh, I get it. Even the shadow would have been like, who knows what evil, oh my God. <laughs> this is sick. And um, I had an idea to try to record a bunch of stings just with my mouth and try to play them as we get to different sections of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Like try to record a, uh, an intro that is clearly pre-recorded, but not very professional. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> and then I got high. And then I got. Did high. you get high? No, I. Pills don't count, right? 
pills don't eh. are you taking a lot of pills these days? <laughs> no <laughs> i just i for some reason the podcast from a couple weeks ago came up and i listened to the intro and i very earnestly tell you guys that i've been taking pills right uh before before we start talking about suppositories um but it sounded believable at the beginning welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast episode 235 super handy i have an email open from will elmer here that tells me what episode it is so i don't really even have to know anymore love it it's a comic book podcast with weird introductions from bellingham washington we love comic books we love each other and some days we take off all of our shirts Django usually wears multiple shirts mm -hmm. rub ice cream all over our chests and sit and let the ice cream dry and talk about comics what kind of ice cream are you all sporting on your chest today i'm jeff and it's a butter pecan i'm Django, and i like vanilla on my chest but yeah, i like dude. chocolate on my butt <laughs> Django. you uh i am i'm, I'm why do I have to follow that? I'm Roman. Um, and I, I, it's a vanilla almond dark chocolate ice cream bar. Oh, number one and number two. He yeah. A little bit of all of it oh, on there. Gosh. <laughs> gosh. I don't know what the upper limit of time that Django cannot talk about a butt is. Like, or number two. It's measured in minutes. It's certainly measured in. Yeah. Better than when I was younger. Measured in partial minutes. Young Django. Oh, young Django. This is a comics podcast, and Jeff's got a slightly divided attention right now because he's waiting to find out the draft order for one of his favorite fantasy football leagues, the one that he won last year, $500. Um, but that's not what this is about. That's not what we, we're here for. We don't stand for football. We stand for comics and comic enthusiasm. And this week, we're going to be talking about a slew of comic books on this year podcast. We didn't really talk about an order. But here's a handful of the comics that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about The Me You Love in the Dark. Snelson, number one. You don't, we don't kill spiders. We don't kill spiders, number one. Suicide Squad, Get Joker, number one. We're going to talk about Not All Robots, Tankers, number three. Talk briefly about X-Men number two. Django's going to profess his love for Cullen Bunn. And Roman's got a sleeper free comic book day book he wants to mention to everybody. So they can make sure and pick it up on Fikibidin which is this coming weekend. Also want to shout out uh, Andrew Carlson, I think is editing this week's mm -hmm. podcast. So, hey, Andrew, thank you. Welcome to the ed official editor role, your thoughts editor of the show. Oh, wait, that makes you EOTS. Yachts. Yachts. Fiat. Isn't Friend that, editor of the show? Friend and editor. Isn't that, isn't that like the corn on the cob? Um, I love corn on the cob. <laughs> Wait, what, what, what are we doing? <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what we're doing. William Elmer, happy episode 235. I don't have any interesting 235 facts this week. However, one of my favorite days of the year is coming up, and sadly, I will miss it. So, to help get me in the spirit and enjoy it from afar, what are your favorite free comic book day memories and or your favorite free comic book day issues over the years? Will, gosh, what a bummer that Will won't be able to make it. Yeah. Um... Wow, free comic book day memories over the years. Gosh. I mean, wow. my favorite was when uh, when Art was still around and he was sick. And I, I'm pretty sure this was free comic book day when uh, Jason called him and told him, because Art, Art was never a big fan of free comic book day. He didn't like giving stuff away. Just didn't believe that right? it was very didn't, successful. Yeah. And uh, Jason called him and told him what the, what the end of the day register receipts were and Art couldn't really communicate super well by then, but he did manage to tell Jason, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> Gosh, free comic book days are like fever <clears throat> dreams to me. Um, yeah. They are like, we start so early and we work so crazy long and hard those days that I don't eat like that in the customer appreciation party. 
Um, I th- they just I think I know. Blur. I think I know what your favorite is. What is it? It was the one where you threw a brick through the window the night before, I right did. after I had gone to sleep. <laughs> I did. I guess that's maybe one of my favorite. Was that not last year? Because there wasn't one, but the year before that, yeah, it yeah. was. I I heard from Django that in the middle of the night, as he had just gone to bed, he got somebody threw a brick through the window and shattered glass and you were kind of drunk and the cops came and woke you up. Uh-huh. And I forget what you said to them when they were like, God, I, I you said no... something to the effect of like, it's just a really big day for us or something like <laughs> yeah. that. You said something to the effect of like, oh, my God, I just found out how to make my chair go down. <laughs> Sorry, that surprised me. Hey, there, little Jeff. Hey there, big old ch- chubby Django, my chubby friend. And Django, um, gosh, yeah. And as far as like favorite books go, like, it's been even a minute since I've gotten a reader for you. I'm really copping out of this one. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember any books other than the ones that are coming up next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember previous years. <laughs> I know I've got a funny story about uh, Free Comic Book Day that we accidentally mishandled a couple of years ago. Okay, uh, a book. Um, it was the the reprint of the first appearance of Miles Morales. It just got lost in the shuffle, and a case of it, like 250 copies, was accidentally left upstairs. Do you remember that? <laughs> and then during the pandemic, people started wanting it, and it was suddenly uh, like a ridiculously sought after book. Yeah. And we just happened, due to our own general disorganization, um, which, believe it or not, behind the scenes of the comics place, there is an amount of that. <laughs> um, if you can believe it <laughs> we uh we ended up having an entire case of this book that everybody's clamoring for us yeah and we but, sold those fuckers to stay in business uh, during a pandemic yes. yeah <laughs> um one of my favorite i don't remember any of the books but one of my favorite free conflict day memories well there's a few um in the old store when we used to do our haphazard thing where we'd haul all these books down to the lobby mm-hmm. of the Bay Street Village, just have them on tables there, along with our regular, the official free comic book. And there was that one year that uh, I, I think Neil and I switched costumes during the day because he, <laughs> he was Batman for most of the day and I was in a Stormtrooper costume. But I think I remember Neil being, maybe that was a different year, Neil being in the Stormtrooper costume. And that was fun. It's going to be a real trip this year. Like, you know, it's still COVID world, so we're limiting the number of people in the store. Um, I haven't had as many people show up to prove they're vaccinated as I kind of would have thought so far, although they're still, you know, a week. But yeah, it's going to yep. be, I think because we're, you know, managing the number of people in there, I think the whole thing will be a little bit less labor intensive, I would think. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot less intense for us. And I think that uh, I think it'd be a really good year for somebody who's vaccinated and doesn't love huge crowds to show up because even at its most crowded, once you get in the store, it's it, there's going to be breathing room. Safe yeah. breathing room. Safe breathing. Part. Masked breathing room. Masked. It's not even going to smell room. bad. Although well, when I'm in there with, smell bad. Yeah, I was going to say, when I'm in there with my mask off, I, actually, it's, it smells real bad. But no one knows because <laughs> you're masked up. So it's just that gorgeous <clears throat> breath. Is there anything else we need to cover before we get into this week's books? I mean, we should just, just reiterate that Free Comic Book Day is vaccinated only. And you should show us uh, some form of your vaccination card so that you're on the list. Also, but, well, well, if you don't, you can bring it in a uh, day of and we'll we'll be checking that. I, I'd amend that to not not some form like an official form of your vaccination. Yeah, yeah we're, we're <laughs> not, a, not a crayon written like I'm vaccinated. And it's I wrote spell. this note to say that I've been vaccinated. <laughs> vaccinated no, but we're, we're taking... Physical cards. We're taking photos of your card, and uh, there's a website that you can sign up for that uh, that tracks your vaccination status. Uh, all those things. 
all but yeah no things. crayon no crayon cards I mean, I think we can all agree at this point in our life, fuck crayons, okay? It's like the least useful art tool, all right? Anytime I was given crayons instead of colored pencils, I was, even as a child, like, I grip a pencil hard, which means I break a crayon. Did you scribble colors and then scribble black all over it and then draw with, like, a safety pin or something sharp? So you have a rainbow of colors behind your, your scratch board? No, I would never. I don't mess with crayons. I haven't used a crayon since I was four or five. Oh, buddy. Wow. Really? When's no, that birthday? was a lie. But I hate, I just hate crayons. I like, I always like the way the crayons, um, the way they, they slice off, the way that you can, you can slice them off and peel them down. Sharpen it. Yeah. I just always it's, thought that was really cool. I think it's really cool that we're giving Andrew a lot of practice, just cutting out whole bits. Yeah, that's, that's really nice of us. I know. I'm sorry. I'm still sort of divided attention guy right now because I'm watching this screen that hasn't started yet. Okay. Well, hey, everybody, let's let's get into this thing. Let's start this thing off. There was not. Well, I don't know. It was um, there was some some fun books this week, but it wasn't nothing blew my socks off. It's manageable. Uh, it was manageable. finally manageable. It was manageable, which is good because uh, we've been totally swamped. I my two days <laughs> off, I drove across the state and back and unloaded a storage unit, which is why this podcast, oh, Roman just stood up. Oh, God. I, re- I realized I, I left my my list of scores in the other room. So oh, well, by all right means, back. you go get that, and we'll work on the introduction. I of wish the he was wearing pants. Yeah. And again, that murky, muddy, sticky chest of his is a beautiful sight, but yeah, you could be wearing pants. The Me You Love in the Dark by Scotty Young, Jorge Corona, Jean-Francois Bilyeu, and Nate Picos. Uh, this is the creative team that did Middle West, which was a book that we all dug. We talked about liked a volume of a it on the book club. Yeah, liked yeah. it quite a bit. Um, and yeah, I it's you know just your classic artist in the sort of second act of their life trying to figure out if they've still got it and reinvent themselves. So they go move into a spooky house to lock themselves away and drink a bunch of wine and see if they've can do anything challenging with their art and um turns out the house that they're in is haunted which is you know not a super exciting story pitch no. but i actually really enjoyed the book i thought it was paced really really well yeah um yeah i was i was uh kind of surprised that there was so little to it but it still felt good i i would I mean, the pacing, like you were saying, it was fantastic. I think what I super loved was how much, like the art is, is gorgeous and the coloring mm-hmm. is gorgeous. I'm surprised that uh, it looks like Jorge Corona did their own coloring as well, mm-hmm. which like the lighting in this book is pretty phenomenal. But you know, I'm on record on this podcast is I love when the art is sort of sto- you know telling the story of a comic book and you get to make it a lot more personal by overlaying your own interpretation things instead of having it kind of told to you. and yeah i love this artist um they shown more in this than they did in middle west um down to small things like the way her overalls hang off of her body everywhere uh-huh like it, they it's have just weight they have weight and they hang correctly instead of clothes just being like tight to the person's body that was the thing just standing out to me is like yeah the weight and gravity of clothing as it exists on the person it's just ooh, really 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 great stuff there yeah and the 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 way that he showed music being played was really yeah. cool uh, yeah like but like tentacles yeah it looks like tentacles i was like is that the you know the the haunted spirit or is that music or what exactly even is that yeah did you catch the there's a panel where she walks out of the room and the spirit is in the background of the panel yeah there's some hand stuff super spooky yeah roman what'd you think of this one um it was all right 
I mean, I like the stuff. It's funny. I, I like the art except his actual human figure. Mm. Um, but I like what you're like you're saying about the coveralls, the way the clothes hang, the representation of music and the little tiny hints of glimpses we see of the ghost. Liked all that. I, uh, there's a 3D model of the house that's credited to David Stoll, which I thought was awesome because oh. like Frank Quitely, you know, is famous for his journals. He'll like draw entire physical spaces so that he knows where people are at any given time or like Dave Gibbons and Watchmen, you know, totally mm-hmm. was rocking that. So I love the idea that they have you know, somebody created a 3D model of this house. So they're existing in the right spot at all times. It's like the computer version of Chris Ware's brain. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys know who David Stoll is? No, do you? Oh, no. I just wondered if that's somebody we should know. Yeah, not that I know of. This is spooky. I'm looking for that page with the hands on it. Oh, no. Oh, there it is. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Are we at all concerned about her wine consumption? No, look at at what's happened to us in the last year. Yeah, yeah, if I have to be concerned about her wine consumption, I got to look inward first. (laughs) This Um, shot? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say the shot of her, it's like, you know, page five or six, but just the giant vertical panel of her sitting in this yeah. giant windowed room and there's this golden light pouring in from outside. Just, yeah. So I, gorgeous. This is like a like a style of art that I, I really do like, you know, I, I can totally see where Roman's coming from of not necessarily loving the human figures, but I, I really like the human figures. Like, a, you know, Scotty Young's art, but if people weren't starved and malnourished, you know, in his, mm-hmm. and there's a little bit more weight to their bodies, but I, I really, I really like it. I would love to see exactly where in the 3D model that room with the window is, because I don't see. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> it could maybe be the cyclical part of the house, which has a lot, you know, some kind of tall windows, but certainly not as tall not as like they that. look there. Yeah. Different tops. No, but I'll like allow that. it. I'll allow it. It's a gorgeous panel. You know, yeah. it's, fu- it's funny. I was gonna say. Uh, I hate the way he draws ankles, but maybe he does too, because there's not a lot of <laughs> below the knee shots in this book. <laughs> oh, Rob Liefeld going on here. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I like it. It leans into that. Like, it looks like Scotty Young art to me. Like it's, it's over the top, you know, there's like the one shot of it's just ankles walking with the ghost hands in the background. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, it stood out to me as like, wow, those are, those are little twiggies right there. Yeah. I do love the house. I, the whole time reading this, I was like, I mean, sure, it's a haunted house, but I was like, God, she is so lucky. I mean, she I so gets too. to live in this house for X number of months and, and paint. And I was like, this is an awesome house. Yeah. Uh, I should probably just for accuracy's sake, I don't have to correct you, Jeff, but the colors yeah. are by Jean-Francois Bellu. What did I say? You Bellew? said Jorge Corona was doing his own. Didn't you? Oh, I did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. You're right. I even looked. I said the person's name at the beginning, but I even looked back and I was like, oh, art by Jorge Corona. Like when looking at like it <laughs> says colors, right? Yeah. Thank you for correcting me. That's it's, never mind. Because the art, l- like the colors are there's a there's a thing going on with them to me. Yeah, there's there's a definite palette. It's a little bit washed out compared to Middle West, which had like all these vibrant colors, no matter what was going on. And I it, it's nice to see same artist, but certainly a different story just based on the on the colors. Can I full disclose full disclosure with you boys for a second? As long as you keep that ice cream right where it is. I walk on the sides of my feet a lot and because of the medication I started taking, I've been sweating my hands and feet a lot. I've been wearing my flip-flops and no socks and I walk on the sides of my feet and in the flip-flops, I've messed up like the bone on the outside of my left foot, mm. like it like I'm having this really intense bone pain when I'm walking. Um so I took a, like a grown up pain pill not long ago 
and uh, I'm feeling pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty, uh, <laughs> oh, pretty, today. pretty, yeah, yeah. I, my mom gave me some, so I uh, complained about this sort of bone pain I've been having. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I wonder if it's the same one I gave your mom. Can we minimize the talks of what you give my mom? No, it's just oh, pills. My fantasy just thing pills. is starting. Oh, good. Thank okay. God. Thank you, fantasy Thank thing. Uh -huh. Got me out of that one. Uh -huh. Scott free. <laughs> okay, so Roman, what is your score for this one? Because uh, I know you have those sheets. Seven. Seven, okay. I'm going to give it an eight and a half. Uh, I, I really kind of want to read the whole thing in one sitting if it's going to be this sort of slow and steady. But I'll, I trust this guy to pace things appropriately. I am torn between an eight and an 8.5 myself. Um, I'll go 8.5. I don't really know... It was so lightweight, but um, kind of gratifying to be reading the whole time. Like it just like, mm -hmm. it, it, yeah, I don't know how to describe it. It was just, I really like, especially at this point in my life, not being told what is exactly going on. And for this one, yeah. it was just like, a, I don't even know what it's going to be. Do you think she's going to fall in love with the ghost? No. Or the ghost is her muse or she is the ghost's muse? Something like that. Is the like ghost going to paint for her? The me you love in the dark. And the ghost is her from the future. Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. Thanks, Roman, for spoiling it. Spoilers. Total guess. I don't know. Okay, so let's talk about something else. Let's talk about Snelson, everybody. Comedy. Oh, is that the one with the cow butthole in the front? Yeah, comedy okay. is dying. Ahoy Comics. How can I in incorrectly do these credits? Um, Pil <laughs> Paul Constant. Bill Constant. Um, Paul Constant, writer, Fred Harper, artist, Lee Luridge on colors. You know I love Lee. We um, like Lee. Yeah, uh, deadly class colorist. Um, this was an angry book. Why don't you guys pitch it for me or give, <laughs> give, a, give a brief summary for our friends here? I mean, the way I've been the way I've been explaining it to people is that it's uh, it that the protagonist is uh, like a 50 year old comedian who spent a week canceled on Twitter because he dated a 17 year old when he was 25. And now he's on tour with a bunch of young, diverse comedians and comedians. And uh, also he's still an asshole. I, uh, that's, that's my pitch for it. I don't know that it sold us a single copy, but I thought it was really good. <laughs> what did you think of I, it, Roman? I, I, I liked it a lot too. And I, I really liked the, um, the fact that, uh, Ahoy leaned into the, the whole thing about um, kind of the popular thing, somewhat on a small scale popular thing now is comic books about stand-up comedians. We've had like, what, mm -hmm. four in the last two years? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they leaned into it right on the cover saying it's the, uh, the first funny book series in 50 plus years to star a stand-up comic. <laughs> yeah, we I would, we're pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you're definitely wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I like yeah, that he told the jokes. Yeah, yeah, they actually had the jokes in here. I like that he's this woman picks him up in the bar, and he does her in the car, and it just goes terribly wrong. She starts beating the crap out of him. <laughs> yeah, he's got some Roman in him for sure. They're like, hey, she's crazy. You should be able to smell the crazy. And he's like, mm, I don't really care. <laughs> How bad could it be? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was pretty unique that they put a comic out with a comedian in it and his hair is the same as Django's hair. Like, that blows my freaking mind. I've yeah, been trying to become a main character in a comic for a long time. No more of this background garbage. He's got the opposite of your facial hair though. Yeah. Well, he's a coward. You have hair everywhere, but the little, like the goatee that he's got. It's cause he and I are going to push our faces together and make one beard. Oh my God. And I one very long, whatever your hair is called. Yeah. Uh, yeah I don't know. Oh, I love the fact that Tintin. the club they go to is 
just like so many of those comedy clubs in small towns, it's called the Ha Ha Hole. It's just a horrible <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like that. My my guess, if I if I had to predict something about this book, I would predict that the main character Snelson is going to have a character arc where he gets three percent better at the most, like uh, like Bad Santa, right? Where at the beginning he's horrible, and at the end he's just just very very slightly less horrible does it surprise you that i tried to watch bad santa last year and couldn't make it all the way through it no it oh. no. <laughs> doesn't surprise you at all yeah um yeah i it, it was it was kind of funny but it was it seemed very angry and i just didn't like the guy enough to want to read more of it i don't think but that's just like a jeff classically is you know i sort of identify with the protagonist in this case i like didn't want to identify with the protagonist which is not at all a comment on how good or not good the book was more mm -hmm. just like my taste of like, yeah, this I I mean, I agree. And I, I like a thing I've been talking about for a couple of years is like the importance of like free speech within comedy and in a world where like cancel culture is running amok, like there's not much room for comedy to exist. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate the conceit of this, but um, it felt like a very angry lashing out about that instead of like a sophisticated or challenging way of going about, you know, like or yeah, I don't know. Being very angry about something rather than satire. I don't know. I, I like I, the way like Bill Burr and Dave Chappelle and stuff kind of talk about it, but that's neither here nor there. I didn't really get the angry from the comic. I got the angry from the character. Yeah. Like the comic didn't feel like it was necessarily coming from his perspective. It felt a little bit like it was like, God, this guy's a butthole. Watch how he deals with this thing. Um, I don't know. I, I, I felt more like the, the point of view was kind of on the same side as the comedian but approaching it very differently. Mm. Um, but also, what do I know? I just got it because of the butthole and the hair on the curve. <laughs> and the very awkwardly positioned sex scene in a car. Like that, The art is she amazing. Is, she is twisted <laughs> on her upper half and not on her lower half. <laughs> I thought the art was great. It, it felt kind of like uh, some of those uh, Seattle guys that were doing hate. And, mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like... Like real high end sort of autobiographical art. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I was a little bit more excited. Yeah. I was excited about it going in. I didn't, I didn't dislike it. I don't think it's bad, but it, it wasn't quite up my cow alley. Well, mm -hmm. you know, Jeff. What? You know, Jeff. You should read the, uh, one of the backup stories, the text oh. stories. BJ and the Sun Bear. <gasps> I love bears. It's a story about bears. bears. Oh my God! When he, I'm, everyone, sit back. I'm going to read the entire text piece. <laughs> bears are amazing. Seven, no. God, bears are amazing. Yeah, I, that was a good. That was a good story. Yeah, I forget that Ahoy does so much uh, back matter in the books, which is pretty rad. Yeah, I never have the time for it, but I love it whenever I get tricked into reading it. I did like that on several different pages, at least two, there's the Angel Breath 9000 ad in the back, and it's like a lady with a vape, and it's uh, Tabitha Tran, suck in, suck out, best vape, Angel Breath 9000. It's like on multiple pages. It's the best thing I've put in my mouth all month long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Um, yeah, what, what, what do you guys score give it? I give it a seven and a half. I give it a seven and a quarter and i'm gonna definitely keep reading it yeah i'm definitely gonna keep reading it. i'm bro beer sorry i make i make my list in the order that i read things so it's not alphabetical so i have to find it 
Oh, I also gave this. Oh, I'll give it a 7.5. I'm going to go 6.5. It feels like in that camp of books that uh, I read the first issue of that you guys like more than me, like Scumbag or Space Bastards mm-hmm. or like... Lobo. Or Lobo. You know, just like the the like, you know, the rough around the edge. Because you guys were so rough around the edges. Barbaric. On the topic of rough around the edges, can the two of you tell me a little bit about one of the books that you read that I didn't read? Uh, absolutely. Was Suicide it, uh... Squad, Get Joker, or tankers or the spider book god you didn't read most of these buddy i'm sorry i read other books but i we elected to talk about these ones because you all wanted to talk about them so i support it but again i can't remember to take black label books home if it doesn't fit comfortably in my stack i just uh forget it yeah you can't you can't shove it where it doesn't want to be uh which which one of those do you want to talk about roman um sorry i was was (laughs) quoting snelson let's talk about we don't kill spiders I kill uh, just, spiders because I like I like watching Roman get uncomfortable when we say spiders. Actually, I don't kill spiders because that's gross and I don't want to get that close to them. <laughs> so, writing an art by Joseph Schmalky, Schmalky, uh, with letters by DC Hopkins. Um, Roman, eh? I thought that this was like the best Viking comic I've read since I stopped reading Brian Woodcom because <laughs> it's basically like a, a detective Viking trying to solve a mystery of who butchered these families right yeah which was the introductory arc of what was his series called um black road black road yeah 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 and northlanders had a detective viking it too um, oh yeah yeah it it's uh i don't know it's a it's a really nice mix of like viking world building and witches and and detective work just kind of kind of start to finish the whole thing is just a procedural right yeah and i liked that i, I like the the sorcery stuff toward the end and this was much better than the, the viking comic i read last week um which i've now forgotten the name of um the one thing i didn't like about this is the same kind of minor quibble i had about i think northlanders mm-hmm. is that just everyone sounds a little too modern to me in their language in fact i think this is another pet peeve of mine the word the phrase you lot lot for a group of people mm-hmm. i'm seeing it more and more in comics i think i saw it in three comics this week and it bugs me it's like using whilst when you're not british <laughs> right well met yeah yeah and, and i just hate that and it's, at some point in somewhere here the main viking character refers to you lot over there and i'm like that's a britishism i mean right they especially aren't going to be using it in the viking age i wonder if our our friend schmalky's british schmalkaroonie yeah, sounds it doesn't. Like, it sounds like a German name, but Schmalkaruni is so American, and it sounds wrong when you say it. So he must be. Yeah, yeah. I love at the um, end when they have this this pig god apparently that I had to look up, and it turns out that's an actual god in mythology, a, a boar god. Malchus. Just make up something. Yeah, Malchus. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that the I don't know, man. The the colors were great. It it parts of it felt kind of uh, Francisco Francavilla. Yeah, with the way it was colored and and drawn, and just uh, like when he's in the witch's house, her whole house is done in purples. Inside, all the light is purple. Yeah, and, that was very uh, cool. The little bits of lore where like he kills a spider in her house, and she's she's like, no, we don't kill spiders, and she resurrects it. And later on, when they're bringing sacrifices to her, he's like, what do you have in that box? And the guy says, spider. It's just spiders. <laughs> he's like, no, let's uh, let's not bring those in there because she's not going to want to kill the spiders. Um, I, I thought this was great. I, I've enjoyed most of Joseph Schmalky books so far, but this 
This felt the most realized. Like his, his murder hobo is, is a fun romp, but I don't think it gets beyond that. Um, and the other one that came out this week is murder hobo, uh, cherry blackbird. Right. Um, that, that didn't, that didn't grab me as, and usually I don't Even with that great that butthole scene. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked that, but, but it, I don't know. It just, it felt a little bit, a little bit designed to do that great butthole scene. Yeah. It's, it's right? tricky when your entire conceit for writing a comic book is that you want to have a very visceral scene of the devil escaping out of a butthole. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I'm down with that. I've got no problem with it. I'm going to read the next issue, but this one just feels more like, I don't know. You know how uh, Clint Eastwood waited years and years and years to do the unforgiven so that he wrote it. And then he waited like 20 years so that he could be old enough to play the, the lead character. This feels like maybe he's had this in the back of his head for a while and got like work, worked on his chops. And I don't know. I could totally be wrong. Just be a good creator. Yeah, I love this cover. It's a beautiful cover, too. The cover is gorgeous. Purples I, and blacks and Starfield. I had that, and I had the Get Joker. I had a larger stack when I went home on Tuesday, but I do the thing where then I come in Wednesday morning, I put everything back on the shelf, and then when I leave Wednesday, I repull my books so that people can have the gen. And I forgot to pull, in a classic Wednesday fashion of like not eating or whatever, I forgot to bring like a half of them with me after that. Well, but you wouldn't have time to read them anyway. Think, think about your relaxation level, pill notwithstanding. Yeah, you're right. I didn't have, I did go across the state and back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I would, I would give this probably an eight and a half. Dang. Um, Schmalk. That's like your highest Schmalk score. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I don't know. Part of that eight and a half is just because it's, it's basically one dude doing this thing and it's superb. Yeah. I gave it an eight. Nice. He made up runes. They haven't even seen these runes before. Wow. Schmalky's seen him in his head and he wrote him in his book and then he drew him in his book and he colored in him in his book Jeff he blew up on the comic scene that's Schm he's Schmalk master 5000 as far he as just Schmalked it down and right ran and drawn a Schmalk load of books it's yeah. amazing it's amazing um well why don't you guys tell me about another book that you read how about that Suicide Squad one and then we could do a hey Roman did you watch the new Suicide Squad flick I did on the same day I, day I read this, so I'm probably going to fuse the two of them with each other totally. Oh, we should spoil that motherfucker for some people. Okay, well, we're going to do spoilers <laughs> for the Suicide Squad movie as well, but first, let's let's hear about this book. Okay, so first of all, it's Azarello and Maleev and Hollingsworth. Maleev and Hollingsworth, what a team. Yeah. Azarello, yeah. maybe a positive addition to that team. And <laughs> in this, I so far, so good. I thought he did a really good a uh, bit of character building and his weird dialogue only lost me once or twice <laughs> in the thing where somebody starts a sentence and somebody else finishes it, but with some sort of butt sex joke or whatever it is that he's doing. Um, yeah. I mean, this, this, this has to be set in an alternate universe, right? Roman. Cause uh, Jason Todd is in Bell Reeve. Yeah. Bell Rev. Well, Aren't black label books all sort I of? Don't, I don't know. You're the one from Louisiana. How do you how do you pronounce that? You also described a prison Roman. You you talk about <laughs> Azarello writing, and he does like chants or poems or like song things a lot, and he does butt things a lot, which is like kind of like Django writing a comic. It is. He's, <laughs> I I gave him I I gave him the benefit of the doubt for a long time because of that shit, and uh, he lost me. He lost me. Um, but this is like Jason I, Todd. Oh, go ahead. I kind of thought all, all the black label stuff was alternate universe, like what if stories, basically. What I if Vertigo so. combined? Are they? I think originally that was the conceit, like Batman yeah. Damned, and even the one that came out just recently that was a normal-sized book. Oh, I don't like, think it, that they have reptilian. to be, though, right? I could believe that. Oh. Is Strange Adventures black label, I think? Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That feels like an Oliver so far. Black Label, we don't really know what it is. Oh, yeah. Neither does. But yeah, um, definitely, definitely this one I thought was a alternate universe since, yeah, Jason's in prison and Amanda Waller is, you know, not a large woman. Like, oh, I think she... right. That's, that's the real tip off. Yeah. <laughs> what is it about? It's about Amanda Waller. Oh, it's putting about Jason 30 in... pages. Oh, you that's are... my gag, you son of a. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it Suicide Squad going to get Joker? It's, it's Suicide Squad with Jason in the lead going to get Joker, who, spoiler alert for this book, is being funded by some Russians who are just, they don't want anything from the Joker. They're just giving him money to fuck around and destabilize things, which I think is a pretty yeah. brilliant uh, Azarelloism. Um, and there's some, there's some pretty fun, like gross things that happen in the bar where they think they've found the Joker. And it turns out that they've just found somebody you can't talk because he's been stitched shut. Um, and I, I really liked when the Joker did show up to fuck with Amanda Waller. He's, uh, not only does he do the, like the classic, uh, killing Robin thing with a crowbar using his cane, but he's also dressed like, uh, just like the droogs from Clockwork Orange, right? Yeah. He's dressed like Alex from Clockwork Orange. And his, and so are his henchmen. <laughs> yeah. The leader of the droogs. Yeah. That was yeah. great. Um, and he, he says, no Groveton, little brother. <laughs> yeah, it's easy with doing the yeah, doing the accent and the words, everything. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. no, you go ahead. The art's great. Yeah, that's all I was going to say. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is very, very clever. There was a lot of stuff that made me laugh in this. Um, there was some great, just some great beats, like that thing with no pun intended with the Joker. But um, the Toy Man shows up in it, and it's one of the best uses of the Toy Man I can remember because mm -hmm. just his his inventions and stuff. And he's such a sicko that all of, all of them, even though they're villains disrespect him. Cause you know, he's a pedophile, but he's incredibly skilled in the way he uses those skills in this issue. And the thing that maybe if there's a controversy about this issue, something I read about was uh, the way the Azarello portrays wild dog in that wild dog is, was one of the leaders of the January 6th mm. uh, insurrection attack yeah. on the Capitol. And in fact, he's the one that, took a crap on Pelosi's desk. Interesting. And the controversy about that is one of the co-creators of uh, Wild Dog, Terry Beatty, is very upset about that, um, that, you know, his creation, who was a gun nut, sure, and all that, but wasn't a terrorist. <laughs> and so he's been very vocal about that. But, you know, it's a black label book. It doesn't take away from the other ways Wild Dog is portrayed. Apparently Wild Dog, the Green Arrow show, is a Hispanic character and a good guy. Also, in the same way that, like, you know, I can't get too upset when somebody uses Alan Moore's characters to do something else. Like, if you're working yeah. for hire and making characters for a company that then owns those characters, like, I can see why you would be offended. But also, at the same time, like, you got into bed with the devil, so. Right, right. Well, he's, a, and, he's a bad guy, right? I can't remember for the original Wild Dog stories in Action Comics Weekly if, I mean, he's kind of a low-level punisher maybe mm -hmm. kind of a good guy but he was in those <laughs> um like the gerard way young animal books it was like cave carson or something remember oh, okay. he was in one of those books <laughs> for a while a oh. thing from those and he was. i don't i don't remember him being a bad guy but i okay. kind of more like anti-hero-y type like he was seemed morally ambiguous maybe he was bad but a little pun pun yeah no i think yeah i think you're right morally ambiguous but yeah like you say i mean it's work for hire for one and it's a black label book. So at least this one is alternate reality. Mm -hmm. Doesn't, it doesn't uh, invalidate 
the way the creators created Wild Dog or his other portrayals, like on TV or in other comics. I could see people being pretty upset with what's happening with Adam Strange and Strange Adventures. Yeah. You know? so, right. Yeah. Same yeah. thing. I love that at the end of this, the team is fucked because Joker has taken out Amanda Waller and he's got the the machine sets off the bombs. <laughs> like imagine walking around knowing that the Joker has that particular iPad in his possession. That would suck. Yeah. Yeah, that, that you could do so many great scenes like the Joker's like watching TV. He's like, oop, that's not the remote. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. We'll we'll get your scores from this book when we do our scores for the movie, but that's that's a good segue into our Suicide Squad movie discussion. Spoilers came out this week. And I guess the segue is that I hate Amanda Waller. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, does Bad. anyone like her? I, I like her in the comics. I like I like big square mean Amanda Waller from the Keith Giffen comics. Yeah, she's she's almost a block. Yeah, <laughs> when she starts like yelling and cursing near the end of the Suicide Squad, I was like, I fucking hate you. Oh, but it's so good because then her team takes over. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers, everybody. But uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad that came out this week because he had gotten canceled briefly, and Marvel fired him from Guardians of the Galaxy, and then they realized that that's really dumb, and I believe that they've hired him back to do more Marvel stuff. But in that interim period. He was hired DC by DC. Was like, Fuck, to do we this. don't care. Yeah, we desperately need to make a good movie. And <laughs> spoilers, they made a really good movie. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. It's the most I've liked a DC movie, most fun I've had in a DC movie. I think there's an argument to be made for like the Joker being as good, but it is certainly not fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Joker's excellent. Um, yeah. I think, well, you're, I, that's why the band of all the character works. You're supposed to hate her. You love yeah, and the I, hater. She's so awful. I've never read much Suicide Squad, and I haven't read that Giffen run, so I, I don't really know. I don't know much about her outside of you know, Suicide Squad. Is a pitch that's never really interesting. I I thought the movie was excellent. Yeah, I think it. I think it's the best thing DC's done. Uh, I, maybe I should say the most fun thing that because um, it's certainly more fun than the the Chris Nolan Batman movies. Those are kind of dreary. As good as they are, they're they're not fun by most and wonder woman i think was more important than it was um maybe but uh this this was just a blast to watch i thought the misdirection in the beginning was so good so so good and nathan fillion without his arms like that he was the detachable man i didn't realize that at the time but i saw him in the credits i was like when is he showing yeah and uh having calendar man in there briefly was pretty awesome yeah yeah um I I have to admit that I think I went after working days in a row, open to close, and uh, fell asleep for about fifteen minutes in the middle. So I guess I guess Harley gets married to somebody while I was asleep. But um, I, like the the denouement was so good. I fucking love stuff and making him gross and also scary and also kind of cute. And then <laughs> that that final scene where they defeat him is just so over the top, disgusting, and hilarious. Ugh glorious they did so much great cute stuff in it like i'm on record as being a huge animal fan and Mm -hmm. there is a lot of very cute animal stuff in it like (laughs) king shark is incredible he was my favorite thing like what what was impressive to me is that like the conceit of suicide squad is it's a bunch of you know c or d list characters because at any time any of them can get killed and that's kind of what makes it good but by halfway through this movie, I was like so invested in all of the characters that I was like, oh my God, is King Shark gonna die? Like, yeah. oh my God. Like I kept being very worried about him and like Rat Catcher I loved because the rat, like the little rat with the backpack who would wave to people was like uh-huh. adorable. And Weasel was so <laughs> cute. Like I loved Weasel. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. John Cena was hilarious. Idris Elba was so good in it. Yeah, I and and spoiler alert for some other movies. Those guys are both in the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> they are. Yeah, I just John's... couldn't stop thinking of them being those. Same wow, I didn't know John Cena was in the Fast and the Furious movie. John yeah, he was a brother. Yeah, he was great. Perfect casting for Peacemaker. Um, uh, I was really impressed. Well, the whole movie, but all the characters. I had to look up some of them, but I was like, they're all previously existing DC characters. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't have been that hard for them to invent some, but it's probably really yeah. smart that they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. And, and oh, what's his name? I always forget. I can't pronounce his name anyway. Um, Ratcatcher 2's dad, the original Ratcatcher. Oh, that was Taika um, Waititi, yeah. 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 The, I love that they called her just Ratcatcher Two. Fuck it, this is what yeah. uh, this is what Wikipedia <laughs> calls the character. Yeah, <laughs> but, I love the fact they made us care about the Polka Dot Man and his powers were awesome. They Way were better than they are in the comics. Yeah, just absolutely disgusting. And yeah, he was hilarious, and the whole thing with his mom was so good. Yeah, he's um, so sad. <laughs> yeah, but like when he sees everybody as the mom. Or, um, oh, oh, the like I think James Gunn is just a phenomenal director. Like the way he embeds and writes scenes around music, like his soundtracks are always yeah. so great. Um, but the shot of the fight scene that takes place entirely in the reflection of Peacemaker's helmet as the camera yeah. turns around yeah. it was so awesome. You can yeah. knew exactly what was happening with the fight. And like you're watching it through the reflection to the point where you even kind of forget that you're staring at a helmet as it's moving. Like I just, I loved it. Like the way yeah. they made Peacemaker's costume cool was awesome. Like his helmet. And dumb. Yeah. Like totally impractical and ridiculous. Why the fuck are you wearing that? But it like. Yeah. And, cool and intimidating also something. Yeah. And the fact when they make fun of him for it, he's like, the helmet represents freedom, but he never explains how. Why? Yeah. Well, why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so, it's almost like if DC lets an artist art on something we get something good yeah hmm. who knew who would have guessed who knew that you shouldn't <laughs> direct a movie by committee when yeah. i was just sort of like thinking about the previous suicide squad i was like i can't believe like it was david i ayers right mm -hmm. like so much better than that one i would give yeah. this a nine i didn't read the book that came out this week so i'd love to hear your scores on the book as well what do you guys give the give the movie also, and I'm going to give the movie a nine and a half because I'm sure there was something I didn't like about it, but I don't know what it was. And if I hadn't been so tired, I wouldn't have even fallen asleep. Uh, and I'd give this book a solid seven and a half. Uh, yeah, no, no real complaints other than that. I sorry, Brian Garside, don't care about Jason Todd. I love you. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'll give Suicide Squad Get Joker a nine and I'll give the movie a nine and a half. I'm giving the movie a nine and a half. You did it, boys. You, you talked me up to it. Because actually, I do know, unlike Django, I do know the one thing I, and I just, it's not even that I didn't like it. I was just the one thing I was like, a little like, uh, come on. And actually, it was the rat and the vest because I was like, okay, Jim, we get it. Here's your little group character for this movie. <laughs> mm, I, I loved the rat. But again, I love animals. We're, we... we're, we're going to be selling plushes of those, that little rat when they come out. <laughs> Can we all agree that the name of the movie was terrible? The Suicide Squad? Uh, yeah, hot on the heels of Suicide Squad. Yeah. Well, that's like, call it Suicide Squad, Starro's well, armpit. Or could have been worse. Could have been else. Suicide Squad, the rise and fall and emancipation of Harley yeah. Quinn or whatever the fuck that mm. was. I think that's a, that, I, I like that title too, though. But they did differentiate because oh. by calling it The Suicide Squad, it's not that other crappy Suicide Squad movie. It's The Suicide Squad. Yeah, you're right. 
and right. Fast, that's Fast and the Furious did it. The Fast and like Furious. It then either. No, I, I don't, don't like, like doing it either. <laughs> I, need a, I, I need a fucking. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. I thought that was a. I mean, I put a distinction in there, but I, I did not like the rise and fall and decline and emancipation of Western civilizations. Harry <laughs> Harry Potter's sequels. Harry Harley Quinn. Um. Okay. All right. Well. Yeah. Oh, it's not important. I was I was gonna say. Did you notice in in Margot Robbie? I think she slightly changed Harley's um tone her accent or whatever you want to call it I between from from the previous couple movies she was in no she sounded different to me uh not all robots by mark russell not all robies yeah. um by mark russell mike diodato jr and lee luridge again lee love that guy um mark russell bringing it back to the world doing comics <laughs> changing publishers um right. what'd you think what'd you think of this one all right, on a scale of one to ten, how bad do you feel for Diodato for having to draw that many robots? Well, not at all. Yeah, I don't think at all. <laughs> He's an artist doing a job. That's what he signed on to do. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. I was looking at it, I was like, man, this looks like a pain in the ass. <laughs> well, yeah, look at like Gundam or like any manga, like robots, yeah. baby, robots. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess that guy's just like I got halfway through before I flipped to the front to see who was drawing it because it was really good, and I was like, oh shit, this guy is known for drawing people really, really well. And he's he's drawn all these weird little boxy robots. I thought it was great. Um, and I even read the back matter where Ooh. Mark Russell explains that this is just uh, a study on toxic masculinity filtered through robots, which I thought was like halfway through. I was like, this is just toxic masculinity filtered through robots. And it's like, oh, OK, right. Of course, it's Mark Russell making like, I don't know. He's he, Sometimes he does a thing that is almost like a clumsy metaphor on purpose, if that is, makes sense. Is the toxic masculinity like the, you just need to get over your empathy stuff? Is yeah. That, like what I, I was, I was trying to find what the toxic masculinity in this was, because that didn't, it wasn't immediately apparent to me as kind of what it's about. Well, just like the, the most of the robot perspective is like the, the Male. overworked masculine dude who comes home and goes into the basement to play video games or, okay. you know, like a lot of the direct phrases that the robots say are also things they would see in, in that, in that situation for okay, just shitty that. dudes. Um, when I first heard that, I was like, I don't exactly like, yeah, I, I guess I, you know, I did, a, I interpreted it as a little bit more about yeah humans relationship with technology and kind of power and class structure within that and where we're headed mm -hmm. and stuff which it is about that it's but that like too, yeah yeah but um yeah yeah I mean, I even the it. title right not all not all men yeah exactly yeah not yeah. all robots yeah. not this not one all robots. robot not this one single robot that's going right. against the grain yeah and i do love like you know with the reveal at the end when the then robot just sort of changes persona I, the, the part where it got real interesting to me was because yeah, this is in the future and every family has a robot and they go and work and, and they bring home the money for the family because humans are all essentially just lazy, can't do things that are hard. And um, but like, yeah, the I was very interested in like they're all in domed cities and in one of the cities, like the temperature was broken in the dome and like 20,000 people died or something. <laughs> and it like that's where I was sort of like, ooh, I want to hear just more about like this, like the kind mm -hmm. of the moment where humans and robots break up after having relied which there's been plenty of fiction about that but yeah yeah and i don't know i don't know if humans and robots are going to break up and right like the people are scared maybe they're too scared to break up with the abusive robot breadwinner yeah right that yeah makes I, sense. I don't know it's it's yeah because the way their society works i mean what are you going to do without a robot 
bringing home the bacon. I mean, <laughs> and how could you get rid of them as well? Like they're stronger and there's more of them. It's like, and they have more control. So they worked their way into a relationship that they probably couldn't get out of it. It's almost like the intermediary step between now and that comic that I liked so much that I don't know if I could get anybody else to read. Maybe Roman Dave. DeForest. From, I from I, IDW. Yeah. Just yeah. like, what's the middle part here where robots take over and then all the humans. Um, yeah, man. Mark Mark Russell has done it again, if you ask me. He, uh, sharp. Sharp yeah. fellow. Yeah. And, you know, Billionaire Island was fun and definitely had its moments. But reading this, I was like, oh, wow, this is this is on point. Oh, I hate that phrase. On point, Mark Russell. <laughs> on fleek? I, I don't know what that means for sure. <laughs> I need another like Flintstones from him. Mm -hmm. Like he's been doing a lot of stuff and like, I guess Lone, Lone Ranger was really good, but mm -hmm. it's been a while. Like he was doing Red Sonia and Billionaire Island and oh. Second Coming and a lot of things um, that I haven't wanted to stick with the entire way. And I love his, I love him. But it, it's been a little bit since there was one that like top to bottom all the way through I was really, really loving. So I hope this one is that like I want I got really sort of like a showcase of his ability to do Mark Russell's for me. That was Red Sonia, mm -hmm. believe it or not. It was yeah. it was kind of hard because I don't pay any attention to that genre and I have a hard time tracking that type of politics. But uh, I thought that that when, when I would sit down and read two or three in a row every time I was like, OK, Yep, this is this is the Mark Russell that I fell in love with all hmm. those years ago. Uh, apparently, they're getting ready to do a hardcover of the Flintstone. Good. Yeah. Good yeah. idea. Yeah, they never even did like a paperback that combines both those volumes. No, they're both out of print right now. So crazy. Yeah, yeah, it would, it would, comes it would have been way too expensive with shipping and everything, but it's too bad they couldn't have done like a rock cover. Oh, <laughs> oh. that would rock. Ah. Um, what do you guys give? Uh, not not all robots. I gave it a ten. Whoa. Well, you hardly talked about it. I give that's it a. That's because I don't have my cop. I returned my copy really early because I was afraid yeah. it would run out. <laughs> I, I did too. That's exactly why I brought mine back. We have more coming in, just in case we have run out. People, I would I would give it a, a high seven and a half. I don't know what that means. Is that a seven and three quarters? Is that a seven and a half and a one? Nobody knows. Go fuck yourself. It means whatever you feel like that week. I'm going to go eight. And I do think that Mike Diodato with Mark Russell is a really interesting pairing because yeah. like he does yeah. so much unique panel stuff, you know, always. And Mark Russell's stuff, I don't think like demands that, but it's interesting to see the two things together. Just like two things that I do like. I don't always love Diodato, but it's it's a very interesting juxtaposition. Okay, so yeah. let's go ahead, Roman. I, I used to not like Diodato in the early Theodato days. And reading this, when I flipped to the credits page to see who it was, I was like, oh, I was really surprised. And then mm -hmm. reading the back matter, yeah, the way he talks about, because he himself was like, Mark, I don't know if I'm the right person for this job, the right artist. I mean, this isn't my what I usually do. Right. So it was fun to just read his humility about it. So I'm going to imagine that due to some time travel quirk, we are in the darkest timeline where Diodato did not draw the Red Sonia series that Mark Russell, because if Diodato had been drawing that, it would have been a smash. What, uh, who did the art in that? Bob Q maybe did some of it, but not for very long. Like it was, it was a uh, dynamite house artist from like whatever, whatever country they were hiring from that day. Like it, it was not, not super flashy. Interesting. Yeah. Hey, we've got an email from Will, or sorry, we had the Will on from Andrew Carlson here. It says, hey, boyos, quick little comment this week on behalf of my friend Cody. He is really, really loving the Blue Flame series. I was just thinking about like 
I I didn't dislike that first issue at all. I, I wanted to know more, but when it kept coming out, it just like I was blind to it. Like I I was thinking it was a different series or something because it's like a vault book and the title was anyway. Um, that was all. I Jeff thought it was an commentary. ad for a lighter. Yeah, it's it's a weird Blue flame. Um, he pointed out to me, and now I feel like an idiot, that he's a pilot light repairman by day, the superhero blue flame by night, you know, because he repairs the little blue flames. <laughs> Pretty neat. I also personally love how they've made kind of a soundtrack with it, too. I always listen during the issue. Anyways, had to send in a quickie. Hope you guys are staying sane. Yeah, I need to. Roman, have you kept up with that one? Dang, I didn't know there was a soundtrack. Um because I always find these soundtrack links after I've read the issue. Then I'm mm-hmm. like, well, now what? Do I reread the issue the, with the yeah. soundtrack? Put that in the beginning, uh, not the end. Yeah, yeah. Put it on the inside cover, front cover. Um, yeah, I have. And I'm still liking the series. It's, it's become much stranger and much more about um, uh, emotional mental health issues than I ever would have guessed from the first issue. Because um, it's just dealing with, I mean, it's kind of like, strange adventures in a way because you don't know if the main character if he really had these adventures in space and is really supposed to save the earth before these aliens wipe it out or if that's just all a delusion hmm. and it's it's i guess that makes sense because isn't it chris cantwell yeah I think. It oh is. yeah i think it is yeah so like yeah. the mental health stuff that makes sense yeah i i need to read more of that book yeah it's worth it yeah okay speaking of chris cantwell I heard in a news story the other day that there's somebody in, or maybe maybe it was on iFanboy, there's somebody in New York or LA who is flying a jetpack around near the airport <laughs> and they're causing problems. And like a million places you could fly a jetpack and not cause problems, but near the airport <laughs> is like the worst idea. Yeah. Um, but it, re- it really made me think of she could fly, which yeah. is like, that's that's the whole germ of, of this, the, the story there. Yeah. Interesting. I think, I think you, you guys... were going to move us along. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I think that you. you guys had a book, another one that I hadn't read. Spiders? Dinosaurs, man. Oh, Tankers. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna mute because I'm excited to actually uh, read the end of Tankers. It was just, uh, I didn't realize it was the end of the series. He's going to mute and he doesn't even have to, he doesn't have to listen when he edits it because Andrew's going to listen oh, instead. This, oh, this, is this is brilliant. It's a perfect Jeff night. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Oh, God. <laughs> Hey, still I listening. About, I just oh, started yeah, talking sorry. shit. Uh, let us know when you're not. <laughs> uh, okay, Roman. So, so I you, said that I like this, and you said you didn't like this. Yeah, I mean, I love the art. Do you want to tell us what happened? Uh, well, let's see. Tankers number three, Robert Vendetti. Um, it's the last issue of the series, which I also didn't realize going into it. Um, well, previously, the you know they went they went back in time to try and create more more resources uh fossil fuels in the future but they screwed it up of course and ended up just creating um strange new mutant dinosaurs that lasted into the modern age so then they go back in time again mm-hmm. <laughs> to try and correct that problem and it's just a big old slaughter fest dinosaurs versus the humans versus the tankers <laughs> and which that is, I mean, the art's great. There's some great moments and scenes, like when the, whatever, the guy, the CEO the, of the... The rich guy in the car. Yeah, the rich the rich white dude with white hair, when he gets it, I mean, that's great. See, the, the thing I was disappointed in, and spoilers, is that the tankers all survive. See, because I, I, I wanted them all to die. 
<laughs> well, but okay. Okay. I so I, I wanted to see him get slaughtered. So they were supposed to redirect the comet that they killed the dinosaurs and it was theoretically going to loop around the sun and come back and kill all the dinosaurs a little bit later, yeah. like a few years later. And that was going to be good because it was going to give us that many more years of oil to be made by dead dinosaurs. Yeah. And they miscalculate. And when they go back, the dinosaurs are, are back again. So they send them back in time to figure out how to stop themselves from doing that and do their math right so that when the comet comes back, it does their initial objective. But when they get back, uh, they went back quickly that the scientists fucked up math and they show up after it's too late. And so they're, they're, they just stick with the mission objective, which is to kill as many dinosaurs as they can so that there's more oil when they get back. And so like... Roman, there's no way these guys are going to survive very long. Well, right? like th that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, that's a good uh, point. I, I just, I guess, I just wanted to see it. It's like, it's like, what is it? The second Aliens movie, Aliens, with okay. the Colonial Marines. You know, at the end of that movie, I, I was like, damn, that was cool seeing all those Marines get slaughtered. And you know, we were in a movie theater in Bremerton, which is full of Navy guys, <laughs> and they, they didn't like hearing me and my friend saying that, but I, I just, <laughs> I wanted to see all the jarheads get slaughtered. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I thought that was a pretty fun, a fun way. Like they lost yeah. this, this ending is, is them not completing the mission the way that you understood it, but they're such uh, obedient jarheads that they're going to, they're going to kill as many dinosaurs as, and then I thought the backup story, the Hank Howard pizza detective <laughs> trying to track down who's been, counterfeiting uh arcade tokens at the pizza place he's at uh but written as hard boiledest <laughs> thing ever i thought that was yeah that that was that was really good um it reminded me a little bit of the old mike mauser stories from e-man and pacific comics oh wow maybe it was eclipse i don't know i mean I, those were kind of satirical but not this satirical and yeah that's an excellent point about the tankers because yeah you're you're right that's how it's going to end up and it is very very clever and it was a better last issue. The last issue of uh, ENIAC really disappointed me. I haven't read it yet. Oh, okay. No, it was, it was just, to. okay. Yeah. I won't ruin it. I was just like, oh, that's it. That's Listen, how it's okay. <laughs> whatever I was, whatever score I was going to give this book gets bumped up probably a full point or a point and a half for having a dinosaur that has tentacles on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. I, it has no purpose. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but. No, no, but it's it's great. It's so good. Uh, well, what do you give it, Roman? I gave it a seven. You give it a seven? Yeah. I'm gonna, okay, what do you give the series? Oh, the series? Um, Boy, uh, I'd probably give this series an eight, maybe an eight and a half, just because of the art. Yeah, the art's amazing. Juan Jose Rip, yeah, is, yeah super badass. Uh, he did he did the art in Black Summer, right? For yeah. Avatar. Yeah, yeah. Um, this, this may be the first series he's ever done that doesn't have uh naked people all over it <laughs> yeah uh i'm gonna give this issue uh a seven and a half and i'm gonna give the series also a i love the spot varnish on the is that what that is yeah just how the dinosaurs are glossy but the sky isn't yeah oh that is cool, cool they cool. make a good looking piece roman did you do your score <laughs> yeah do you guys i found uh, uh while going through all this storage unit shit my sister's all of her magazines from when kurt cobain died so like Ooh. Newsweek and Rolling Stone and like People magazine and shit. Wow. So that's pretty interesting. Was your sister a fan? Yeah. 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 And like, yeah, I have a, a bunch of my clothing and from her high school days. Okay. So oh, wow. I, maybe we've talked about this and I've just forgotten. Were you 
a fan. I was five when he died. <laughs> so probably not. Not you super. You weren't basically an adult like I was. Nope. I was five when he died. Hmm. Um, I wow. was born right around the time Bleach came out. But I got real into him in high school for sure. Have you seen the pictures of uh, that little kid whose penis we've all seen mm-hmm. as an adult? Yeah. Poor guy. I don't know. He probably got. He's probably got a real healthy ego. I That's bet. true. You know, That's like true. being needed, needing to grapple with being the penis on Nirvana's Nevermind. Like that's good for your ego. And also you got to be not worried about people. Think about when he brought dates home and his mom was like, oh, I'm going to show you a picture of Joseph uh, when he was a baby. And the Gosh. girlfriend's like, oh, he's gonna, she's going to show it. me dick pics. And then she's like, here he is on the cover of an album yeah. that you've seen for sure. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about X-Men number two, Doug and Laraz and Gracia. This is the second issue of the X-Men. I'm in a weird spot. You know, it's like Hickman is being one of the other people who's like James Tinian and Scott Snyder are all kind of like jumping ship to be doing this like sub stack thing that yeah. I paid the $80 annual fee to be a part of Hickman's thing that he's doing. I um, put that on the shop account. I sure didn't. Too. Um, maybe it'll That's reimburse me. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm doing it personally because I just fucking love him and I'm going to, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll have the, the shop. Paper, you love Jimmy TIV. You ought to get his too. I'm not going to, but it's, it, it's an interesting, anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about, but I'm, I feel weird. I'm going to weird spot with the X-Men stuff because if Hickman leaves after Inferno, I'm going to feel pretty betrayed. I'm going to feel pretty like so much of this was the promise in my mind of stories for years and things being seeded. And mm-hmm. so much of what I've expected to happen has not happened at all. And not even like other things happen, but like, seems like we never got to this spot. So I've always been a Hickman apologist. And if I'm going to finally be like all those people who are like, he never finishes his stuff. I'm going to be like, wow, maybe he. <laughs> um, oh, like, man, that means that I'm going to have to be the Hickman apologist. But I, again, I'm, we got to plan this. We got to diagram paying this. for all of the, <laughs> the shit that I, you know, I'll, I'll read everything you can do. But anyway, um, I, I yeah, I didn't like this one quite as much as the first issue. Did you mm-hmm. guys all read X-Men 2? I'm sure I Roman did. did. OK, yeah. The art's gorgeous. Um, yeah, I don't know. What did you guys think about it? There was some stuff I liked, but there's some stuff I don't care too much about. I do like the Annihilation Wave. Can Can you give a little synopsis? Because I brought mine back Wednesday yeah. morning. Um, it starts off with a poker gambling game. poker game in the tree, and then um, you know the the bad guy crew in Game World, Cordyceps Jones, like they're like living in a black hole or pocket reality or whatever, and they're like, oh, let's you know, one of the people's like, I'm gonna in my attempt to take out all the humans on Earth, I'm gonna release the annihilation wave. So they catapult the ship, and it lands on Earth, and he releases the annihilation wave, which um. Yeah, he just oh, sort of like yeah. pops just... a drink in his mouth and throws it all up. And then all these bugs start going everywhere. I did really like the conversation between, um, I forget the, it's not, is it Cypher? It's not Cypher. It's Sink? Sink, Sink, yeah. I like the conversation between um, Sink and Marvel Jane. Girl. Yeah, um, that was good. But like talking he, about how he should, he should beam the relationship that he had with Wolverine. Well, yeah. And even before that, just sort of teaching him how to like use, to, you know, the, her mutant power to you know look at people and read brains and whatnot and I, I liked that and I liked his just sort of touring and mutant powers and being able to absorb them and learn how to use them and but I also then really liked yeah that conversation where he could le- beam that into Wolverine because she doesn't remember the relationship they have but then also is that good or bad like mm-hmm. and that seems like a lot of pressure to put on her 
at that point to be like, hey, remember this relationship that we would have had and you need, to, you know, like, so. I mean, I, yeah, I would, it, he would need uh, to use some other mutant's power to tell Wolverine why he was telling her that, right? Like, I just want you to know how I'm feeling, but I don't respect, I, I don't expect that reciprocate didn't have right interesting you know and i'm interested in that dynamic um yeah it was mostly like centered around this big battle sequence and then they all had dinner and i, I didn't i don't know the sunfire stuff wasn't super interesting to me but this stuff at the end with dr stasis is interesting i don't know also exactly what's happening with those folks but i'm interested to know what's going to be happening with that i don't know yeah i I liked it. I liked it pretty good, but it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The Hickman, the promise of the Hickman X-Men stuff. I read Hellions this week and I liked Hellions more than this. I didn't believe necessarily in the promise of the Hickman stuff. And I think I like this X-Men a little bit more than I've liked. Not all of the Hickman issues, because I thought that like that the kind of one shot structure that he'd come up with for the X-Men series, and I was able to read issues and, and pick and choose what I enjoyed rather than be beholden to a longer story. Um, which I'm sure would have happened, you know, by or maybe still will happen by the end. But I thought that the the way that the team used their powers together really fun and interesting, uh, similar to the way that they did in the last issue where they formed an yeah. X Voltron or whatever. I like what he's what he's playing with there, and I like that they ended up having a barbecue people that that they just a saved, but also when it when a superhero team saves a town, they inevitably fuck up a bunch of the town. And there's got to be some amount of them communicating with the people in that community that yeah. they're they're like, hey, we actually saved you. Yeah, sure, we'll eat dinner with. You. That's that's almost literally the least we can do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. Um, I actually like this issue more than the first. Issue. Um, I love Cordyceps Jones. It's one of the grossest mutants gross. that they've ever created. Um, I like the idea of using the annihilation wave that way, though. I didn't understand why the why that poor servant had to drink it and then puke it up. Why not just take the bottle and throw it on the ground? <laughs> yeah. I, I realize I don't know enough about the annihilation. Like, you know, I know I haven't read the actual annihilation. I know yeah. Andrew has, but uh, my experience with it is like through fantastic four and stuff. And I don't remember it being like a bottle that you had to throw up. No, I, I like the idea that Carter sets Jones or whoever has different bottles of these Marvel cosmic events that they can unleash just, for the sake of gambling. <laughs> right. That was pretty cool. I like the teamwork, like Django said. I loved that. I love it when comics use, especially Marvel, when they use some pseudoscience. And I love that Jean Grey and uh, um, I forgot her name. Um, Polaris. Polaris, yes. Magneto's daughter, suppose they thought, once thought. Um, the way they combine their powers so Jean could kind of use it like an MRI and somehow reach out to a dead person's mind and mm -hmm. read their mind. And I don't know why that works, but it's it sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like the Sunfire stuff because he's always been a jerk and apparently he's not a jerk anymore. But they kind of give a little bit of a reason here. So, yeah, I'm all I was all very into it. I'm, I'm, go I'm into 5. Duggan. It's Duggan, right? It is Duggan. Yeah. What are you doing? You, you like said 7.5? No, 8.5. 8. Oh, I give it a 9. I give it an 8. And mm. that's uh, my indifference towards the X-Men dangling on my pants, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know enough about these. I don't, I don't know. I don't care a ton about these characters. The way to care about them is to read them. You're not wrong. Yeah. I just like, you know, like I, even the promise of the Hickman stuff by just sort of being like, you know, is there a twist? Is that Charles under that helmet? Like all of these things, are they mm. becoming the bad guy? Like, how are we going to like kind of assuming that all of these questions are going to be 
answering them or having a conversation about them is going to be part of the journey. And the, it hasn't been confirmed that he's leaving mm-hmm. um, after Inferno, but apparently it's kind of looking like he's going to be. And really? like that would be, I would be really, I would feel kind of betrayed by that. That would be a super letdown. It, like yeah. at the very least, give us a five issue wrap up or squeeze all your shit into one, one giant size issue. If you and maybe to. Inferno is going to be dealing with all of that stuff. It's like features Moira prominently on the covers and stuff. So maybe that will be a, what, you know, the conversation about all that is a part of, but yeah, I'm not going to be mad at it till he, till he actually bails, but yeah, me neither. And, and I don't know that I would expect him. I don't think, I don't think he bails on things. I think that he gets stuck and I don't know that that's an option. Apparently he, like when diamond shut down, he got very excited about making it all happen digitally and writing He kind of figured out the next stages for all this story and he's going to be doing it digitally. And then diamond didn't shut down and all of the plans he had, he realized he couldn't do. And he got pretty disappointed by that as I was reading today and his release Hmm. about that Substack stuff. Um, and I was like, oh, that's so I mean, it almost feels sort of like he maybe his interests have just moved. Also, I don't know at all. I don't know at all. It's complex stuff, though. I'm going to I'm going to have a fucking cow. But if, if people keep jumping over to shit like Substack and don't plan on publishing artifact, like if you've seen uh, Red Meat, the comic strip lately. No, that's what I'm fucking saying. Uh-huh. It was brilliant. You can't find it. And it was a digital thing. um before we get out of here you had a a cullen bun bit you want to talk about and roman was going to recommend the the hidden gem of free comic book day yeah so i want to talk about lucky devil number one by cullen bun and fran galan with el torres and letters cullen bun writes a lot of guys i don't know if you knew this um and a lot of them are horror most of them don't have art that is as good as this um it's just about like this schlubby bummer dude who is going through his day his girlfriend his super hot girlfriend has a boyfriend on the side who he takes the stairs so he doesn't see the guy show up in the elevator every morning he's uh, stuck buying everybody uh coffee and donuts in the morning and as soon as he delivers those everybody their lunch orders and he gets possessed by a demon and just fucks some shit up like ruins the lives of all these people beats people disembowels people throws them off of buildings um just just causes mass chaos and uh i don't know i i really really liked it 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 felt to me almost like a scotty young book with blood and balls um i don't it it's not mean like crossed but it's bloody like crossed if that makes any sense, like, like crossed feels like it's just doing it for the, for the, for the fun of it. And this, this feels like it's part of the, like they have to show you these blood and guts or to have this character progress. Um, highly recommended for horror fans. I would give it, uh, I, it, it might be the most surprising comic I read. This. Good uh, job, cool. Cullen. You finally got me. <laughs> <laughs> His stuff is never shitty, you know? No. Yeah. No, no it, it's, it's usually serviceable to pretty good and yeah. this one is just this is really good and the art i'd be amazed if we don't see this artist doing what's some, the artist's some name big stuff it's uh fran galan g-a-l-a with an accent uh and it it definitely has kind of kind of that middle west feel to the art i don't know i i, I don't know it's good it's good that's all i got that's <laughs> all i got it's a good comic and uh I'm in like a, a two page spread of everybody in a, in a fast food restaurant slaughtered in different ways. You got me, buddy. You and Fran. Man, need to read that. Yeah. So Roman was about to recommend the Red Room free comic book day book. Is that right? <laughs> I did flip through that and was 
impressed with how they uh, did a Red Room comic without it being gross and disgusting because it's a free issue. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty impressive. Um, but no, the free comic book day one I was going to recommend for this week. And I really recommend the Avengers free comic book day too. That was really good. Um, but this one is actually a preview from an upcoming graphic novel called On Tyranny, 20 Lessons from the 20th Century by Timothy Snyder, based on his book, On Tyranny. Um, go ahead and Google him. He's written quite a few books uh, that are would not, be, would not be liked by the anti-Antifa crowd. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Protifa. Yeah, the Protifa. Um, and this is, this is a preview of the first third, maybe, of that graphic novel. And it's 20 lessons from the 20th century. And this is the first four lessons. Um, and it's just really well done. The art's by Nora Krug, who I haven't heard of. But it's very educational, very um, well-illustrated uh, examples from from the 20th century on just the stuff we all have to look out for with trump and the trumpy the authoritarianism and fascism how it's and risen the robots in, and the dinosaurs yeah yeah how it's risen in the past and what the similarities to what's happening now and what's going to happen in the future you know when trump runs again or one of his sons runs or whatever trump hasn't run for 35 years <laughs> <laughs> when he uh, uh when he's wheeled into the presidency <laughs> <laughs> on his baron harkonnen hovercraft yeah <laughs> <laughs> that sounds cool yeah it's very it's very good and the art i mean it's just it's i've never heard of this artist it's just it's just very very cool is it his first comic um i think it is yeah his first graphic novel which it, you know it's a adaptation of his book but yeah mm -hmm. i think it's his first comic work cool very cool very cool, everybody. Well, I think that's a comic show. Oh, I thought we were. Th this one's about comic. I don't know. I would love to do one about music. What, let's do one about music. Let's do one about ice cream. Because <laughs> there's ice cream on my my back. Covered in ice cream. Um, you can send us an email at jeff at thecomicsplace.com. We love getting them. Will, I'm sorry you won't be able to be around for free comic book day. I hope you're doing something wonderful. Uh, Andrew, thanks for editing this episode of the podcast. Hopefully, it wasn't a bear. And, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> roar! Oh my God, that was loud. <laughs> all right, everybody. We'll see y'all next week. I'm Jeff. I'm Roman. I'm Django. You know, what's up? I was, yeah. I was wondering guys, what were you wondering if like, if you were watching TV, okay. Television, television. And if you were in the DC universe, DC comics, DC comics, okay. and um, watching TV in the DC universe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think that do you think that the movie Watchmen is shown in the DC? I have a question also. Okay. If you were watching TV in the DC universe, who would you most like to watch D with? Mm. Mine would be Dick Grayson. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Last Mine would be Ambush Bug. Oh, I was gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, my oh man. <laughs> um, mine would be Green Arrow. Oh, okay. you have a lot of good commentary. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I have a question. Okay. If you were watching TV in the DC universe, do you think that you would see superheroes on game shows? Yeah, right. Because like they started doing like you know celebrities on dating shows, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, are they on Hollywood Squares? But pretty much only the like kind of maybe the washed up ones, like Polka Dot Man. Ooh, mm -hmm. good, good point. Mm -hmm. Wild, lots dog. of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. We'll see y'all next week. <laughs>